We're here in the South Bronx at John Matos, a.k.a. Crash, a.k.a. Prolific Artist Extraordinaire Worldwide uh, Sensation. Limited. Li limited Sensation <laughs> um, uh, Studio, yeah. This shit is crazy. So um, I got like a million questions and I'm probably going to go all over the place, but um, I read that you, that you started painting at two. Yeah, actually, yes. I was uh, one of the little kids that you give them a piece of paper and a paper and a pencil or a pen, and I would draw. Absolutely. And did you have encouragement from your uh, parents? Did you grow up in a single family, a single mom, a single dad at home, or both your parents with you? Both my parents were there. Okay. Did you get encouragement from them? Um, actually, from my older sister. My older sister was really into fashion designing, and. Um, in the early 60s, mid-60s, um, school teachers would come to the homes. You know, they would come in and do, like, tutoring, which they don't do now. And he happened to be an art teacher, and, she, you know, he's giving her lessons, and I'm in the, in the playpen mm -hmm. in the living room. And, you know, I'm carrying on, like, hey, you know, I want to participate. So mm -hmm. give me a piece of paper and a pen. And that's how it happened. <laughs> that's, so you're in a playpen in your, in your pampers and shit, and, and the teacher comes to visit? Wait, there were no pampers then. Yeah, they were cloth. They were, they were the, real, the real deal. Cloth diapers with those big-ass pins. Yes. I think they, they discontinued some shits in, like, 1973. Yeah, too many piercings. <laughs> now it'd be fine. No, now it works. Now you can have piercings in your eyes. <laughs> um, I also read that you were not formally educated as an artist. Correct. I was not formally educated. So I find that interesting, especially... Well, here's the other question I have, and we'll tie it all in there. I know a lot of guys who started doing street art or graffiti, and a lot of guys who have become you know, professional artists like mm -hmm. you and make a living mm -hmm. prefer not to be uh, called or associated necessarily as graffiti artists. Correct, right. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's this whole thing about graffiti and, and the street art. There's two, it's two different forms that one branched off the other. Um, a lot of the street artists are actually um, college-educated kids. You know, they saw graph and they decided to go like, to Rhode Island School of Design or whatever, and um, they took a different take on it. And, you know, it's easier to take a stencil and a can of paint and, you know, go around doing these little things all around the city, whereas with us... Ten cans, we do one piece, and, and we're done. Right, right. So, so you're saying that, like, graffiti from its in inception back in the late 60s, early 70s was more of an uh, exploration and an evolution. It wasn't really an art form yet. Um, well, I mean, the early, early, early stuff, yeah, like the late 60s, early 70s, that, you know, it was, it, it was still in, in its infancy. So, um, and people keep forgetting that graph, the original concept was... Um, to be famous, you know, like, look at my piece, it's the best, it's the best, it's the best. So um, as it progressed, as it grew, it got fancier and more colorful and, and, and more stylized. And um, the, the trains, you know, when, when they started doing all the buffing, it was sort of like the, the decline of it. And then the street artists, you know, the, the street kids, they took it to a different level. They're still with the fame idea, but now they're able to multiply it, you know, and, and, and do more with less. Re replicate a specific oh. image, mm -hmm. like guys like Shepard. Shepard, right, right, right. And, so it and, was—I mean, it was ingenious. Right. And I mean, I like the concept. I love the whole—the whole thing of it. Um, and it's, you know, it's very different. 
Right, right, right. So it was a different form of branding and a different form of, right. of, of uh, mass producing your image. Right so that you can become famous that way as opposed to painting one train and hopefully right. not having the MTA right. buff it right. long enough so people could see it. Correct. Um, and also, it, 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 um, the thing about it also, it, it uh, homogenized, you know, it made it palatable. People, people um, in offices can hang a Shepard Ferry, you know, because it's whatever it is. It's more commercially accepted. Yes, absolutely. Whereas uh, graffiti back in the 70s, that was a crime. Shred and and, and shredding, that was shredding to your face. And, and also, it was a, there was a, a lot of negative connotation to it. Correct. Uh, what do you think about, like, I, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm a native New Yorker, and I come to New York, and I go back and forth from L.A. to New York, but I remember the first time I started seeing the floor-to-wall and ceiling wrap around on the inside of the shuttle going from Grand Central to Times Square. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing, what the fuck is the difference between this mass commercialization of no bullshit? Difference. There is no di The difference is that we didn't paint it. That's the big difference. They decided to hire someone and do it. Right, right. That's what, that's, that's what it is. Right, because if you look at trains in the 70s, you will notice, you know, tags, mm -hmm. which is completely different than, than you know, uh, piecing, yeah. writing stuff outside of the trains. But if you look at, at the uh, inside of the trains, like the shuttle or the number, whatever, number six or whatever, they were completely covered in tags and black, uh, black ink. Correct. And when I look at that, if I was to step aside and look at it from an arbitrary uh, perspective, it almost looks like the same shit. Yeah. You know? It very much is. I mean, the, again, the difference is it's printed and wrapped. Right. That's it. Right. I actually find the commercialization, the printed and wrapped stuff, a little bit more offensive because coming from and growing up in New York, you know, I, I'm always looking at things from a sociological and racial mm. uh, perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, you know, if if you know if there's money involved and commerce to be made, then it's okay, especially if it's from a legitimate source. Exactly. So what happens is you go to Macy's. Macy's will be willing to give you three million dollars. You know, the MTA, to design a condom yeah, case. MTA, and MTA, you know, <laughs> and the MTA is, 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 you know, they need money. Right. You know, so three million dollars, you know, for one week, and you know, whatever, and that, let's do it. So, what do you mean the MTA needs money well, and the, Macy's? The transit, the transit Authority, they need money. You know, they, 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 they're busted. They're broke. They're always needing money here. Yeah, that's why they did it. Well, I mean, most people don't know this, but the MTA is not a government agency. It's no. a privatized no. agency. Correct. And, and what happens is, is that they always rely, like states and cities, on the federal government to subsidize their bullshit. Right. And the thing is, you know, this is another complete, completely different topic. <laughs> but, it, yeah. well, but it's related in a right. sense because it's about responsibility. Right. You know, it's about, you know, you get money and you, 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 to spend it and to use it wisely, and you should be held accountable. Yes, that's why the MTA is busy taking all the old trains and dumping them in the ocean to create artificial reefs. What the heck? All that money spent. <laughs> is that what they're doing? Yeah, man, yeah. All the old trains, what they've done is they, they've taken them and they dropped them off the Jersey Shore and create artificial reefs. Wow, all right. So you're talking about billions in the ocean? Yeah, but I mean, it's also it's also mismanagement, you know. Uh, Absolutely, that's the that's the big one. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm I'm reading uh, in 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 this uh, news magazine about how California, for instance, now has a surplus of cash, <laughs> a fucking surplus. Meanwhile, if you look at the price of gas, you would think about maybe, and I'm and I, and I'm talking on my ass when I say this, but uh, let's say fifteen percent of what you're paying is in fucking tax, like in New York. 
Like in, like in, like, and and that, those taxes are used to offset. You know, basically, the, the, the municipalities need to raise money, and where they're going to raise the money, where they're going to tax. You know, wherever they can the most. Yep. Drivers, workers, cigarette smokers here in New York. So wherever they can tax you, they're going to tax you. You know what I mean? And now they're doing the internet tax. In, well, that, that's another bill that they're trying to pass. <laughs> internet sales tax. Yeah. But that's another, that's another thing. I mean, I mean, I just find it interesting how, how in the 70s, and I think the buffing system started, what, in the early 80s? Something no, like uh, mid-70s. Oh, mid-70s yeah, they started buffing? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, and oh, so 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 they got a little bit more fancier as the as the years went on. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So so I find it interesting that uh, in the in the 70s and 60s and 80s when the graffiti movement came about, yes, there's a criminal element to it because you have to trespass, mm -hmm. and a lot of it, you know, most of the kids that were doing it weren't working, so they didn't buy the straight spray paint. Well, that was yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you go to any hardware store right now um, and you notice that there's uh, the paint can section at Home Depot or wherever, they're all locked. Mm -hmm. It's not because, you know, you have to be 18 or over mm -hmm. to smell the, the aerosol. It's because motherfuckers used to steal this shit. Yeah. And it goes back to that. Yeah, absolutely. And right now, I'm 52 years old. I need to show them my license in order to buy the paint. Here in New York. Yes, sir. Really? Yeah. Doesn't matter who you are, you gotta show ID to buy paint. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you could be you could be in a walker, you gotta show ID. Yep, you could come with your grandmother and she like, we need your ID. Do they register your ID or no, it's just, they just they just do it. It's it's by law. Got it, got it. Back back in uh, in back in the West Coast, uh, you, you don't need ID. If you look old enough they they let you go. <laughs> Not here. They let you go. So at what age about did you uh uh, take your passion for wanting to express yourself on a grander scale and then start started painting on trains and whatnot? Well, I started doing the walls in my neighborhood about when I was 13, 13, 14. Walls, murals. Yeah, right. And then um, 75 was the first train I did, 1975. So I was, I was, uh, 16, I was 16, 15, 16. Wow. And, and how did you... Who was your inspiration? I know you mentioned there were a couple of cats in your neighborhood yeah. that were that were esta established uh, yeah. uh, subway subway art uh, painters. Correct. But like, I mean, there's no formal apprenticeship for this. It's not like you go, no. I want to do this. No, no, no. The formal apprenticeship, no. Um, you pick it up on the streets, like break dancing. That's that's your formal apprenticeship. <laughs> so so it, so it evolves uh, uh, in a sense or in a way uh, uh, as an activity that you do to you know, uh, keep yourselves occupied and yeah. out of trouble, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, although it was illegal, it was a form of trying to keep us away from getting, you know, I mean, we grew up in pretty hardcore neighborhoods, so yeah. um, everybody, every one of us knows more than two or three, you know, junkies, prostitutes. Just two or three? Well, I mean, I'll generalize. <laughs> you know. um, but, you know, that, you know, so we all know that, that, that type of lifestyle. That we come from. So graph was was the mildest, the the, right. the, the easiest. Uh, it, 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 it was a way to uh, uh, prevent or avoid more serious crimes: robbing, correct. killing, correct. Yeah. mugging, yep. smoking, the drugs. Graph, smoke. The two, yeah, right. the two um, easiest things, and and graph was easier. You know, you didn't have to like train. You know, eight hours a day to to stuff to to, to you know kick a ball, or whatever. Right, right. So, 
we I mentioned I, I mentioned earlier graffiti artists versus uh, just mm -hmm. artists. Mm -hmm. What what is no I'm, difference? There's no difference. No graffiti artists and artists is the same. It just so happens that we work you know with a different medium. <laughs> so then, so then, but then, why uh, well, the such a negative paint, connotation? Well, the, spray, well the, the deal with spray paint is because it's so immediate. People couldn't stand that. Like, you know, I could take a can and just do my name on the corner, and they found that offensive. Mm -hmm. But guarantee that if you know, I'm walking out with a with a with a palette and acrylics, you know, and just do my thing, they wouldn't bother. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the, the the random act of it is what I think was what put people off, and then um, the fact that everything was stolen. I mean, we used to steal the acrylics. And the mm -hmm. brushes too, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and markers. So it, does, mm -hmm. it didn't make a difference. But mm -hmm. it was, I think, it was the random act of it that that was offensive. So, so then, so then, why in the '80s a guy like Keith Haring comes along and starts doing? Granted, yeah, but, but, you know, he got arrested a bunch of times too. Right, right. But when I, but what I'm about to say comes from uh, a socially accepted. Uh, form of art, you know, he got he had gallery yep. uh, 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 showings, right. and he was uh, more socially accepted within the downtown art scene. And so again, I look at this uh, these issues kind of like from a sociological racial. Well, it was a different type of language. I mean, we were in your face. Here we are. Check us out. These are our names. Keith was in your face, but he had a, a, a language all of his own. Mm -hmm. And I mean. A lot of us just, you know, we got we got along well with him, and we were, in, you know, we were into it. Mm -hmm. And his language was, was a lot different. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I still remember that um, when they did the uh, memorial for him at um, St. John the Divine, uh, whoever was speaking, you know, he mentioned that Keith was, and he mentioned a bunch of us because it was important to him, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So and and it was very important to Keith that he was part of that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I could see that you guys inspired him. I mean, I yeah, absolutely. I, I, I know I know his his you know a lot of his history from you know uh, uh, Pennsylvania uh, art school to uh, doing all sorts of stuff. He he's he's a very smart very smart guy, yeah. and I remember uh, being turned on to him. Side uh, uh, sidetrack. Side what is that? A friend of mine's a grave digger. Oh wow! So he says you could fit in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, funny. So, yeah, so Crash just showed me a picture of a grave and and uh, uh, a freshly dug grave. Yeah. So could you buy that if you wanted? Could you like hold that like on, uh, on reserve and shit? Yeah, well, I think he probably has a couple of bodies going in today. Got it. Got, oh, wow, that's crazy. That's, that's what he does. That's crazy. Um, so um, has anybody ever commissioned you to uh, uh, paint a uh, uh, grave marker or a tombstone? No, no. That would be pretty dope, huh? That would be crazy. That would be dope. Yeah. That would be fucking dope. I might no, think of that, except I'm not going to be married. <laughs> I, I don't believe in burial. I believe in cremation. Anyway. I'm going that route, too. You are? You, yeah. You're going that route? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. So anyway, we just went on a completely different side. <laughs> Rabbit Trail. Rabbit Trail. <laughs> That's funny. Whole different thing. Well, I mean, it's kind of related because yes. Keith passed away exactly. in 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 uh, in uh, the early to mid nineties, right? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. He died of AIDS. God bless uh, Keith. I was a fan of Keith's work. What I was uh, what I was saying uh, 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 was, I remember when uh, Keith Haring uh, came about. Of course, no one knew who Keith Haring was. Sure. All you saw were the chalk drawings mm -hmm. inside of the un. Uh, 
postered MTA uh, uh, billboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it was interesting because you'd be on the train, kind of like what you guys are doing Mm -hmm. with the with the big murals on the train. Was like, wow, what is that? Who is that? And I think you know uh, that is the point of art. I think art is supposed to provoke thought and question. I think. I mean, that's any type of art. I mean, Rosenquist, um, he was quoted as calling graffiti, was it? Uh, 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 a lively bouquet from South America as, as it rolls by the station. Like, that's great. That's what he called it? That's what he called it. So what's your relationship with James Rosenquist? Uh, I, th- I think more than anything is, is uh, the way I paint, you know, that, that um, uh, his, his positioning of imagery, it's like taking a collage and, and just putting it in a blender and see what, what, what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. totally under, um, underestimated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Und- you know, undeservedly. You, you think he's underestimated? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you got someone like Warhol. I mean, you know, Warhol's not around anymore. And Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns, mm-hmm. where the pieces are going through the roof. Right. And I think he's very undervalued. Right, right. Okay, so you're saying undervalued in, in, in the uh, commercial art market. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I didn't even know. First of all, you're an inspiration to me. <laughs> no, no, no. No, seriously, as an artist, you know, because when I started painting in 2003 or something like that. I mean, like you, as a kid, I used to draw. Right. And the reason I asked you about if you had gotten support from your parents was because I don't think I got the, that type of support. Latino parents don't do that. You know, they... they, they initially think that art is like, you know, bourgeois. It's like, that's not going to pay the bills. Or you, need to, you need to go to school and you need to get a job and become a mechanic or a plumber or whatever. Right. It's going to help, you know, right. put, put the money in. Because art is not a career. Art is not a career, according to them. Right, you can't make a living, so what's the you point? Know? Exactly. It's, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not legitimate. What, what are you doing with your life? That's it. It's like being an actor, the same type of thing. Right. Parents, you know, Latino parents are like, what? You know, what are you doing? What? Uh, you know. Acting. Why don't you act like you're cleaning your room? Well, that's one of the differences in uh, what I know about success and early success is uh, encouragement and, uh, um, you know, somebody uh, validating what you do and validating that. Wow. That you have potential. Validating is 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 a really good word, Um, especially with graph. Um, You know, the only few. In the very beginning, someone like Charlie Ahern right. and Jane Dixon, right. who absolutely um, considered us peers, oh. which, was, which was like, you know, like, wow. I mean, to this day, I, you know, I, I say it openly that if it wasn't for Jane Dixon, you wouldn't be around. Really? How's yeah. that? Well, Jane Dixon um, approached me. Well, I met Charlie um, when he was scouting locations for Wildstyle. Right. I met him with Fat Five Freddy. Right. Um, and we met at a place called Fashion Motor. Right. Never knew what the place was. And I lived in the neighborhood. So I went to the place. I met him there. What What is Fashion Motor? Fashion Motor was a nonprofit um, uh, gallery um, in the South Bronx um, that specialized in in all types of art. Their, their Their whole theory was anything goes. Was, you know, it's very interesting. Very radical. Very, because uh, yeah. very, about, yeah. very radical because you're talking about the South Bronx. Yes. Most people don't know about the South Bronx. This is the early '80s, right? Like '82. No, we're talking about. They opened in '79. Fashion Motor opened in 79. Yes. And when did you become hip to Fashion Motor? When was this? 1980 when? to 81. Well, 1980 because um, in 81 was when I, opened, when I did the, the, the Big Graffiti show. At Fashion Motor? Yes. Well, it's radical. That's a radical thing. So go, continue with Jane Dixon and Charlie and all so, that. So, so, you know, Jane was married to, uh, to, is married to Charlie. And we met anyway. So she asked me if I would be interested 
in painting and installation she's doing. She was doing a human maze, where she took cardboard and created a maze, and you had to walk through it to get to the middle. And the middle, she had like a, a table with cookies and stuff, and you had to try and get yourself out. So it was a big maze. So I painted <laughs> all, the, all the walls and all the cardboard. Oh, wow. Um, and that was like my first... Um, exposure. Exposure to, to doing something within a space. And when, she, when they did the invite, you know, she had me in, in the invite with my name. I'm like, wow, check this out. Mm-hmm. So um, then from there, um, Stefan Ines, who ran Fashion Motor, uh, approached me about doing a show. I said, sure. But then I didn't want to do a show on, on me. I just had to do a group show. Mm-hmm. And, and so again, so if it wasn't for Jane, and then, you know, the whole thing I did, and then uh, the thing with Stefan Ines, we wouldn't be talking today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that is that's very radical because... No one wanted anything to do with the South Bronx, and you know, at yeah. that time. Yeah, especially and and right about that time, Carter was leaving office, and and Reaganomics was making its thing. So it was it was a huge thing. It was a huge huge moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Google Fashion Moda, and that's M O D A, and Google Stefan Eines. Um, very important in the uh, yeah. in the historical content of mm-hmm. street art because n- it wasn't just you; it was no. a lot of guys, guys uh, like Lee, Keith Haring, Keith Haring. Uh, uh, John Fechner. Um, oh man, Barbara Kruger, uh, Jenny Holzer. Wow. Um, well, Ch- John Ahern. That's cr- that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Bar- oh, Tom Adonis. Tom- I mean, mm-hmm. So we're talking about you know, a who's who. And yeah, but a lot of people don't really know a lot, a lot about these guys. Uh, Char- John Ahern has been my neighbor for God knows uh, almost 20 years or some shit here in New York City. John Ahern happens to be the twin brother of Charlie Ahern, who happens to be the director of probably the uh, quintessential uh, hip-hop movie encompassing graffiti, uh, breakdancing, <laughs> and rap music, uh, Wild Style. Wild Style. And, and t- how did you how did you get involved in Wild Stop through Jane obviously? Um, well, yeah, you know, again, we um, I was with uh, Charlie and we were scouting um, um, locations. And um, there's a true story. Um, the when Charlie started writing the script, he had told me that the script was originally written about me. Um, you know, it takes place in South Bronx. I had an older brother who was in a Vietnam vet, and I not. So the movie's the same type of thing. Um, eventually. I was supposed to do the part that Lee did, but I didn't want to do it because I wanted to be involved on Broadway on, on the, the Twilight Thought play, um, which was at the same time. Oh, right, right, right. Where well, you guys actually yeah, painted. Yeah, live on Broadway. Live on, you, you guys painted canvases, the backdrop right, for Twilight Thought. Yeah, up as we painted the, the canvas, unwind and go all the way to the top. So at the end of the performance, you see our names really large. Dope. Yeah, it was very cool. So, um, so that was happening at the same time as the movie, and I felt the Broadway play was more inf- important for me. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, that's why I did that. And, and they talked me into doing it, so they changed it up a little bit. But the actual storyline is based on me. Nice, nice. That's, that, that's very interesting mm-hmm. because you could have been uh, uh, indoctrinated or, you know, etched as the main character cool. of the quintessential yeah. uh, hip-hop movie of our generation. Yeah. Instead, you chose to, to do, do something a little bit more sophisticated. <laughs> well, I mean... I mean, know, Yeah, I, I guess you could, say, you could say that, but that wasn't... It was just... I just felt, to, to me, the, the Broadway thing was a little more um, thought-provoking. And it was a little more interesting. Um, right. I mean, to do a movie, you know, 
you know, my you, thinking is you could do, you know, that, any, can anybody could do a movie. Correct. I mean, meaning you can do a movie anytime. Correct. Correct. And 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 you were you were in our movie Acts of Worship. Yes. You, you, which is which is which is awesome. My wife my wife got you. She wanted to get everybody she could to do a part in, in the movie. And you you're a guy on the payphone. And 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 you wind up. I mean, you you have a distinguished voice like myself. Yeah. 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 So, so 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 you hear your voice right away if you know if those that know your voice. Oh I know yeah you. yeah. Trust me yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 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 um, I want to go back. I want to go back and not. To dwell on it, but just curious as to um, the the ramification, mm, not the ramifications per se, but like the consequences of having to how you got your materials to do your murals on the subway so that people can know you who you are. You stole everything. Um, the ramifications of that. Well, it, it's, there's two ways you can look at it. Uh, one, you can see how easy it is to steal stuff, and you become a klepto, you know, and start stealing stuff left and right, which a lot of guys did. And forget about painting and, and just say, painting. fuck it, the yeah. stealing shit is better. Yeah, because you can turn around and I can steal a, a sheepskin coat from, like, Herman's Sporting Goods store, go down the block and sell for 50 bucks. I'm like, yo, 50 bucks in 1978. A lot of money. Yeah. So, like, all right, so I can turn around, you know, buy me a couple of Adidas, I'm good. Next week, go out and buy, or go steal a down coat, mm -hmm. sell it. Get me a leather jacket, you know, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. I mean, we used to, we used to, I mean, from Steve's baby, we used to steal steaks. In, in, in the mid-70s. You used to steal steaks from in where? In the mid-70s, um, steak and coffee became very expensive, almost prohibitive in, in, in the in, in South Bronx. Because no one could afford it. Yeah, it was crazy expensive. So we used to, we used to steal steaks and, and coffee. And sell them to get money and to buy paint. And go down the block, like, yo, coffee for like a dollar. That's funny because I did a, I did a, uh, uh, one of my episodes, I think it's episode two or three, was about Tide, how people are stealing Tide oh, yeah. to sell yeah. because Tide costs about 20-something dollars for a 150-ounce yes. yes. uh, container, yeah. and it costs about 20-something, and the profit margin for the stores is only like a dollar or two, right, believe it right, or not, right. but it's so sought after yeah, yeah. and not affordable that, you know... It's not. It doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense. Yeah. It does make sense well, because... it makes sense in terms of uh, making the money, but it doesn't make sense that you're going to put something so you know, and then try and sell it on 138th Street. <laughs> you mean like steaks and coffee? Yeah, just like steaks and coffee. But 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 for instance, you go to Puerto Rico. Right. I don't know when's the last time you went there. Coffee is behind fucking yeah. locked cages. And steak is very expensive because I mean a lot of our family aren't you know made of money. So when so when you know you go to visit your brother and they pull out steak with rice, you're like that's like a huge honor because it's so expensive. There. Right, right. That's a Puerto Rican term, by the way, a Latino term. You, you're not made of money. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother used to be like, turn that light off. You're not made of money. That shit is hilarious. Uh, I don't know anybody who's made of money, Ma. Yeah, no one is. That, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. But that's, you know, that's a, that's a very interesting socioeconomic uh, thing. Whereas, you know, things have to be locked up because as, as, as a, as a, uh, uh, what do you call it? As currency, you know, currency isn't just money. Currency is what you can sell. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's like it's a bargaining chip. Exactly. That's what currency is. A bargaining chip. Correct. So, like, if 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 a pound of Bustelo coffee can yield me two dollars, right? Correct. I'll steal a pound of Bustelo coffee because that shit is easy to sell. Yeah, it's like uh, our big thing was also stealing uh, cheese, the the the, the uh, government cheese. They just, they just <laughs> Yo, check it out. They used, to, they, used to, they used to give out these blocks of cheese that were maybe 18 to 2 feet, 18 inches or 2 feet wide. Right. And what we used to do, we used to steal it. 
and go steal it from the truck or steal it from the from from where they stored them. Oh wow! And then we used to go to the grocery stores, and they would give us fifteen dollars, twenty dollars because they sold they made the sandwiches. By the time they slice all that cheese, they'll make two three hundred dollars in a day. That's hilarious. Let's get that again. By the time you slice that block of cheese, you'll make two or three hundred dollars. That's a fucking huge piece of cheese. Well, think about it. What, what was what was a, a quarter pound cheese? Was what like what dollar fifty? I have no idea. You're talking about two foot because <laughs> nobody bought a pound of cheese. Everybody, you know, no one had no one's made the money. So, right. So right. you know, everything was like. A quarter pound salami, quarter pound ham, quarter right. pound cheese. Also, back then... There was no Swiss. There was white Americans or yellow American cheese. Right, right, right. And, ba- and back then, uh, uh, you pretty much bought what you were going to use. Correct. Uh, there were no leftovers. Right. You're not going to buy 50 pounds of no. fucking this, 50 pounds of that, and then, you know, two months later, you got to throw it out. We, were, we, oh, we You know, our families were oh, very... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm like that to this day. I don't buy a lot of groceries. My wife does because we got kids, but... I buy what I'm going to use for the next two or three days. That's it. And then when it runs out, boom, we got more. Me too. And, and I'm a big fan of not throwing away food. I mean, my wife and I go out to eat a lot. And just, you know, the new thing is we've been splitting stuff. Because oh, cool. you can't eat a whole fucking steak. You know what I mean? Well, I could, but no, but I'm saying it comes <laughs> yeah, no, down to yeah. she can't eat a whole steak. Yeah. And then I'm going to have to eat her half yeah. and mine. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, you know, you being yeah. Yeah. yeah, and being a little bit more conservative. Because, I mean. That's, that's being green. <laughs> It is being green, and it, and it, and it's being mindful and thoughtful of you know resources. Well, you know, remember they told us that you know this little kids in China starving. That's what we used to be told. You're not made of money, uh, and yeah. eat all that because there's somebody who's starving in China. China. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? We didn't realize it, but. Kids are very conscious of that today. Well, they should be. Yeah. You know, I I I'm a big fan of just doing my part. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've I remember when I was a kid in Puerto Rico, I was washing my hands. And I had the water running. Don't do that. And your hands, take the soap, turn it off, and then turn it back on. When thank you. Ready to rinse. Thank you. And my uncle said, "Turn that off. You're wasting water." Yeah, and plus, in Puerto Rico, they pay. We, we didn't pay water in New York until recently. So in Puerto Rico, you have to pay for everything. Right. Yeah. Right. So since that time, exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. I wet my hands, lather up. You know, turn turn the water off, mm-hmm. lather up. Same thing with a shower. Mm-hmm. I wet myself, lather up, and then and then rinse myself off. I know it sounds crazy because some people love to stay in the shower for like hours. Five minute showers. I, I, I'm, in, I'm in. I do what I gotta do. As I'm out, and you know, my kids are like, I'm like five minute showers, man. Military. <laughs> that that's hilarious. So now here's the thing. You know, I went I I went back to. College. I started college in like 1983, mm-hmm. and then I left college in 85. Anyway, I got a bachelor of arts in visual arts, nice. and and I got that over a course of I don't know maybe eight nine years because I got it. Because yeah, absolutely, I got it. But I mean, the the reason being was I started college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was a it was a, a community college. Then I got into an electrician's apprenticeship program. I became an electrician. Then I went back to school. I thought I wanted to do labor law, and then that was not what I wanted to do, no, and no. then I wound up uh, taking all of my life experiences uh, within uh, painting and photography and put it into a, into a degree, but what I'm going to get at is there was a big, big emphasis on art history, you know, to get a degree like that and to be an artist, and I was always of the school of thought that if you want to be an artist, um, just be an artist, mm-hmm. But what, how do you feel about 
the the relationship between an artist and art history? Well, I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, you know, I don't think you have to be stooped into it. You know, stooped so into it. Step stooped. Steeped. Steeped. Thank you. Because the stoop is when you say that when you play baseball. But the stoop is when you could be stooped into too. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. When you steeped into it, um, I I think it's important that you know some of it because some of it is, is, is incredibly important. But I don't think you should be motivated to take so much of it to your degree. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I I, I sorry. Keith Haring. He had no historical, no, other than the hieroglyphics. Thing, the only thing you could think of is Dubuffet, maybe, you know, someone like that, you know, and it's like, and that's like, well, you know, but, I mean, because it's, you know, sort of like that, that linear type of thing. So, he's a good example of that, you know, and the pop artists, you know. What, like James what, Rosenquist, what Andy Warhol. On? Yeah, what do they mean? They, they, well, a lot of them were like failed abstract expressionists, you mm-hmm, know, because mm-hmm, that came in. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they, they, they clicked, you know, something clicked in them independently and it just took off so i mean now looking back not when you first started uh painting um and taking art as a serious thing which i want to get to that in a second because i believe you've always taken art as a serious thing and i want to know at what point but you you have a a a decent uh amount of of knowledge on art history. I mean, you mentioned James Rosenquist, Rauschenberg. Mm-hmm. I, I know you you implement some of Lichtenstein's uh, uh, techniques mm-hmm. in your work. Um, and when I mentioned that you were an inspiration to me as an artist, I mean, I remember seeing your work and I'm like, wow, that's exactly what I want to be doing. I love that. I love I love the way your letters pop, your colors pop, your 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 images pop. I love the way you 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 can't really see that image a hundred percent, but that it's part of right, right, the right. Col- the whole. Picture picture and you know again it provokes art like what is that is that an r is that an i is that i supposed to mean this or whatever right, right. and i love that and yeah. and, and that, that's that's what i love about art in general right. you know when i first started uh, going to museums and looking at uh, even let's say rauschenberg when he first started doing sculptures mm-hmm. i used to say what the fuck is that a yeah. paper bag right, right, with right. a rope on the floor how's that art right. but it's art because it provoked the question of what is that right i mean the the thing with me, you know, just I I I, lear- I self taught myself all the stuff about art history. I mean, when I I saw something like wow, this is really cool. I mean, we didn't have Google, so I went out and you know went to the library and like try to figure out who this person is and learn about it because there's a symmetry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then like the pop artists, you know, with '60s kids, so that was part of our our right. our walk, you know, well, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I wasn't into uh, uh, the, the minimalist stuff in the 70s because I was just interested in mm-hmm. that. So, so, so you know, you, you learn all this as, as you're going through life. Um, you know, it's, it's like, um, um, you know, you probably have a favorite writer or a favorite poet. I love Robert Frost. I learned that about that because I saw something somewhere like, wow, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Look it up. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, if, if you don't do that, there's an old saying, was it, if, if you stop learning, you start dying. So, it, you know, it's, I think it's important that you, you need to broaden yourself mm-hmm. because if you stay in one spot, then you can't teach the world what you want to do. Right. In other words, you can't be stagnant. And no, the way no and the way, way to not can't. be stagnant is to constantly right. evolve. Right. And the only way you can evolve is by learning and opening yeah. yourself up yeah. to ingesting you, different yeah. things and ideas. To. You have to because um, um, that's what humanity is. You know, it's 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 an everything. You know, and um, um, I can't I can't sit and just like watch TV. 
You know, it has to it ha- there has to be a point to it. You so mean I'm, you don't watch like the the world's retarded housewives no, of Mumbai? I, I couldn't even tell you who they are. Come on, no, man. I don't I don't watch American Idol. <laughs> I mean, either. I've never I, seen I, one episode. The only reason I saw The Voice this season is because we had a friend from our church, this 18 year girl that was like, she made the top 16. Mm-hmm. So now we're texting her, yo, you did good, you know. So right, right. Uh, and she's out, so that's it. I'm not, I don't even care what's on anymore. Right. No, I'm with you on that. So um, and I don't even watch sports because it's you know so much of it's corrupted and you know you don't know what's going on. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm an old movies buff and you know and, and something interesting. I watch it. Yeah, yeah. I'm also an old movies buff. Yeah. Um, you turned me on to, was it Burt Lancaster? Oh. The movie about him being a priest? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Elmer Gantry. Elmer Gantry. Amazing. That's a good movie. You yeah. want to remake that movie. I want to remake that movie. I spoke to your wife about it. Why, why do you want to remake that movie? I love the movie, by the way. I think um, it's still... Uh, 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 relative? Uh, a very relative and very important subject matter because it's putting your trust in something. Putting your faith in something, and um, he's an alcoholic. He's a he's a loser he, he, and a user. Right, and he was he was a, a, a yeah a, womanizer. Yeah, uh, he's a hustler. He's a hustler. Um, and that's that's everybody we know right now. So you know, I was thinking, man, we could do that movie. And I spoke to John, and he said, Yo, if you can make this happen, I'm in it. I'm with it. John, who? Uh, like Wizamo. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, man, we got to that point. I go, I spoke to some people with Smith Barney, and they're ready to back it. Oh, really? Yeah, but we just couldn't get the right writer. Actually, that movie can be done for a fairly decent budget. So John uh, Leguizamo, he said he'll do it for 1.5 mil. That was it. That would be that his was, pay. I, I back then. Doesn't he owe you money for a painting? Yes, he still. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Yes. I mean, he owes you money for a painting. You gave him a painting. He never paid you for the painting. That the value of that painting has, <laughs> you know, uh, quadrupled. Re- well, yeah. quadrupled has gone up about tenfold. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's him. <laughs> so you went to school with John Leguizamo in Queens? Uh, no, we went to a, a school downtown, Murray Bertram High School. Murray Bertram. That high school is no longer, no longer in existence, is it? Or yeah, it's, still, still, it's still there. still there. Awesome. So from the South Bronx or from the Bronx, you went to high school in lower Manhattan. Which a person from the South Bronx never does. Correct. A, a, kid, a kid from the Bronx goes to school in the Bronx, marries a girl from the Bronx, lives in the Bronx, never goes to Brooklyn, rarely travels. Keep that shit local Yeah, that's a fact You married a girl from the Bronx? Yes, from the projects From the projects And you've been married a long time, huh? We're going to be 25 years, yeah Wow, 25 years Mm -hmm. So you're a prolific, highly successful artist You're a highly successful husband I don't know know about that part, but yeah No, 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 no You're Puerto Rican and you're married 25 years That's like a straight up enamel I I say this, I said this to a friend of mine and he laughs But 25 years, right? If you're a lifer in jail, don't you get paroled? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't they give you a suit and, a, and, and $15? I'm not sure what they give you anymore, but, I, you know, my, this is my 20th wedding anniversary year so, myself. All right, so, so you, got, you got five more years before you get paroled. I'm yeah, hoping, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I have, a th- I have a theory. Seriously, I have a theory about, about, about marriage. Mm. People nowadays, they get married, and then they get divorced in, like, a year, two, mm. or five. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. And they make the rest of us guys that stick with it look bad. Correct. You know what I mean? I think that the government should give us a, a, a stipend for every year that you're married, both the man and the woman, right? Yeah, but see, but the, them getting divorced is what keeps the uh, the law institution, you know, 
making money. The the divorce law institution. Yeah, yeah but I'm saying they should have like it's a the economy. We're not, we're not we're not supporting the economy. <laughs> but, but I'm saying they should have they should have like you know a married man islands fund. You know, like you you get to go on a vacation just the guys. Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's that's, that's called parole. That's your parole. Yeah, I don't yeah, even get that. That, I don't that even, should. I don't get even get a watch. That you know should be funded by the government though. Like I mean, you know, you and these fucking people they get married for two for like a year or two. Like these famous people. I don't even want to mention. Their names because oh, they're retarded, yeah. you know. And then that's news, you know what I mean? Seventy-two days, yeah. Seventy-two days, that's news. Uh, Seventy-two days, that person should contribute to that <laughs> to that married man island fund. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. There should be some sort of a, of, of a penalty. All right, so <laughs> penalty. penalty. I'm serious. I want to talk about Eric Clapton. All right. I've met Eric Clapton. I love Eric Clapton. Every, every anybody who knows uh, of Eric Clapton's music, uh, come on. What, what, what's there not to, you know, to like? The man's a fucking genius. You know what I mean? Um, so I read that you met Eric Clapton, uh, what, in the 90s or something? Or early 2000? Um, no, I met him uh, 1996. 96. A friend, he, he was looking to do some sort of collaboration with uh, street art. Correct. He was actually, he, he had just finished recording a CD of like street music, um, um, uh, beats, all this, you know, weird stuff. Um, with a producer and a collaborator, and um, he had come to New York to to shoot uh, areas for a video, and um, he had heard about me. He wanted to try and see how he could um, meet me. So he was in a restaurant with one of his managers, and um, you know the conversation came up. My name came up, and it turns out that one of the, one of the stewardesses, the stewardesses, one of the uh, waitresses. Thank you. Wrong airline here. Uh, <laughs> the waitress, the waitress was a friend of mine. Oh wow! So, so um, she, you know, she said, "Look, I know him. I know how to get in contact with him." So she called me, and she said, "Look, a musician I know wants to contact you. Can I give me a number?" I'm like, yeah, sure. So she did, and then she called me back and told me who he was. I'm like, yeah, right. So a musician. Yeah. <laughs> so then, the following morning, he called me. So at that point, you knew his music. I mean, you're familiar with his music. You're a oh, kid yeah. of the 60s. I was a huge, huge fan. Mm -hmm. yeah, From Cream days and all that. Cream, yeah, up until, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, up to the album that I thought was like really amazing was um, an album called um, August. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Man's a genius. He's one of the most amazing guitarists. So anyway, uh, Fender Stratocasters. You, he, he commissioned you to do one of, his, one of his guitars, and since then, there's a... There's a uh, I mean, I Googled this, and there was like, I don't know, fucking... How many of them? A hundred? Um, I did 50 Fender Strats, one of a kinds, and then I did um, about 25 or 30 Telecasters with matching amps. Um, but wow. then, um, I mean, then you got all the private commissions, so there's got to be two or three hundred guitars out there. Yo, them shits is fucking dope. Thanks. Seriously. Thanks. I remember, I remember seeing the first one, and then I remember it was almost like a, like a catalog of, of I don't know, like cars that you can get this model. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but they're yeah. fucking gorgeous, and they're obviously all unique, and they all pop, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and I also read that you mentioned uh, private commissions that you basically consult, uh, Eric, before you go ahead and, and, and say yes. Yeah, I did. Um, in the very beginning... Um, well, you know, the, the first guitar I did for him wasn't a commission. It was a practical joke. Really? How'd that, how'd that come out? Um, well, he's, he's, he's famous for, for his joke. So, I, dude, this had to be a God thing. I was sleeping. Woke up one morning, the summer of 98, 99. I woke up, and I just came. I just told my wife, you know, I want to paint a guitar for Eric. <laughs> just like that. So I, I didn't know how to, you know, to do, to do it. So I called some of his friends in London. 
and his her personal assistant uh, gave me um, his guitar text information. I contacted him and I told him, you know, I want to do this, but it's got to be totally on the hush hush. I, you know, I don't want him to know. So I did the guitar, which was really interesting because it was I never done one before. I did the guitar. Um, they prepared it, they got it ready, and they put it in a guitar case. And then what they did was he was in LA um, recording uh, an album with BB King, writing mm. with the King, that, that album. Mm. So the guitar case was in the corner of the studio. So he walks in, hey guys, you know what's up? And he sees a couple of guitar cases. So he asks, what's going on over here? And it's on all. It's a new setup, you know. You want to try it? So he opened up. He opened up one case, like, oh, this is cool. Then he opened up mine. And goes, what the heck is this? He opened it, and he called me, like, dude, what are you doing? And you know, I gotcha, you know. But it 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 backfired because he really liked it, and he used it for like two or three straight years. And um, then he commissioned me to do a guitar, and then and then it just proceeded, and then it just went on. And then there. and then he put you in contact with Fender. Well, Fender and so contact, contacted me when they saw uh, his stuff. Right, right. That's that's amazing. Um, and so, what else? What else have you done, like on a grander scale? Not walls, not canvases, not guitars. Cars, maybe. Um, Toothbrushes. Well, yeah. well I've done, uh, I know you've done luggage for Toomey. Yeah, the Toomey I, I own a piece. Yeah, the Toomey. Oh, you do? Yeah, hell yeah. You poor guy. No, uh, the Toomey thing was kind of cool because um, I knew Toomey not from the luggage, but from the backpacks. So you know, I, I when they contacted me, I I um, went online and checked it out. I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool. And they were just releasing the hard cases. Right. Um, so that just worked out. Dude, that was just, like, amazing how that worked out. I, I, if, if anything is ever God-given, that is, because that just, like, from, from the beginning to the end, it just was smooth. There was never a, 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 an ounce of trouble. So they called you. They said, we love your work. Would you be interested yes. in uh, designing, using your print as uh, a series of our hard luggage. Right, right. And so did you design that specific image did, for that? I did the painting. Um, yeah, specifically for that. They gave me, they, but they gave me uh, guidelines. I can't use more than eight colors. Because they, the more colors right, the to silk screen, the, the more money it costs. It's difficult. So mm -hmm. um, I did the painting with eight colors. But unbeknownst to me, um, spray paint, um, it, it, it varies from dark to light. So, like, if you use a blue, you know, it's the same blue, but when you pull back, you got all that misting. Right. So that creates a degree of a color. A different hue of so color. So, yeah, you go from dark to light, even though it's one color. So you got all that to work. Interesting. So it came out to, like, something like 75, 80 colors. So, really? So they did the eight colors, but they, 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 they did a process that they hadn't used before anywhere. So they kind of, like, adjusted it right. and evened it. And I used silver spray paint, and you can't duplicate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they used a gray... But it just—it was just—it just worked. Right, right, right. No, they—they—they—they're. It was great, dope. man. It was great. So okay, so I know, I know. This is your—you uh, had a studio, or you had another studio. One of the things I know, and we're gonna wrap this up. I got a few more questions to ask you, but we could talk for fucking hours here. Was <laughs> that I, I read somewhere that when you were younger, you didn't have a studio and you painted up in the roof oh, in your building, Correct. and that every day you got up and you treated it as a job. Correct. I still do. I get up. I mean, I get up. Even though I'm going to work at home, I get up, I take a shower, I, I put on my clothes, and I go downstairs and I work. I, I, you know, I have to, uh, it's, it, it's, it's a, a thing that I, you know, I, not to take it for granted, you mm -hmm. know. Um, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. And, it's, and it's, it's something that I think every, whether you're a musician, a writer, whatever it is, um, you know, all musicians, they play, you know, even if they're just doodling, they, they play. Um, writers. You know, if, you're not, if you're not writing, you're, you know you're, you're formulating. Or, you know, you're t but it's always uh, it's it's always writing. 
Um, painting is the same thing. I might not use spray paint every day, but I'll do some ink drawings, um, maybe some watercolors. I'll do some acrylics, you know, so. But, but every day you're doing something. There's something because um, um, I don't think creativity ends. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can go out three weeks on holiday, mm-hmm. you know, on vacation somewhere on the beach, but you come back and you got all that stuff stolen, mm-hmm. and you're like, boom. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think um, as an artist, um, your life should be a, um, a diary. Mm-hmm. See, I was going to ask you uh, what, what, what advice you have for younger artists, but I think that kind of covers it right there. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about like spray painting technique, but I would probably gather that that would fall under the same uh, answer that you gave me. Practice, practice, practice. Practice, man. It's, yeah. Spray painting is not an easy medium. Hell fucking no. <laughs> Hell fucking no. And you guys, you guys actually uh, develop spray caps to make them fatter so that you can fill in more, more area faster. Um, well, in the beginning, we used to, we, we realized that uh, all these companies had different nozzles, like um, the ones that we used to love with um, um, spray starch, Niagara spray starch. Their nozzle was, was a wide thing. So when we used to paint with that, you, co- you know, you cover like a, a, a foot long uh, path of color as opposed to just using the little ones. That can, can. So, so Niagara spray starch, that's fucking not spray paint, but it's spray. Right. So <laughs> that's that nozzle. <laughs> but then you also had Jafoam. Jafoam was a, 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 a product that you used to clean ovens. You you spray Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those caps. Those had a wider spray. Wow. See, look at that shit. That's awesome. Okay. Um, Then, okay. So recently, uh, recently you did a wall on Houston Street in Lower Manhattan. We were talking about this earlier um, that Keith, that was Keith Haring's original wall up until what, like 2000 or Um, something? He did the wall originally in 82, 83. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he repainted it again. And then um, he did a, a, a wall with uh, Days and, and A1 and Kenny Sharp. There was a whole bunch of guys. And that was in 85, 86. Mm-hmm. And then, um, um, then it went dormant for a while. Um, what, it was just blank? It was just blank. People just bombed it. They, you know, they, they put stuff on it. It became a, 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 a what do you call it, a, a sign. For, for a shop down the street, and then in about 2000, they started up again, um, and started getting artists from around the world to do a wall. Um, and when I was approached to the wall, I didn't know this. Charlie Ahern told me this, but I'm the only graph New Yorker, you know, born and raised in New York, because Keith wasn't. Right. The only born and raised in New York artist to do the wall, and who also did the subways. No one else had done that wall. No so, subway rider and no uh, original native New, New Yorker, right? Because Keith was born in Pennsylvania, right, right? And the other, I know, I know, uh, Los Gemelos were in Brazil, Brazilian. a couple um, other guys, uh, 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 Shepherds from LA, right? Um, um, Fail, they're, they're from the UK, right? And on and I could, you know, Aiko is Jap- Japanese. I just go on and on and on. Right, right, right. So, but real quick, I'm, I'm going to post a picture of that of that wall on the Skid Row Studios uh, site. Um, and whoever's interested, you can Google the Houston Street uh, wall there that Crash did. Um, the fucking thing is humongous. It's big, man. It's and, big. And, and you were telling me earlier that you did that in three fucking days. Three days, man. Freezing, too. The, um, I was given five days to do it. Um, and the, the Tuesday that the wall was supposed to have been primed, there was a massive storm, rainstorm. So they couldn't do anything Tuesday. Wednesday morning, I was supposed to start. So they started priming the wall Wednesday morning. I got there. The guy was finishing one side, and I was already starting on the other side, you know, outlining. Um, then Thursday and Friday were really freezing cold. 
Um, turns out when I was, you know, when I was uh, looking at the, at the weather um, to find out in terms of pain Saturday, there was a thunderstorm coming in. So I had to finish the wall Friday. And sure enough, it poured Saturday. And it, was, and it worked out. It was also um, St. Patrick's Day. So it would have been crazy to try and get into the city. Right, right, right. Because it's maddening yeah. 50 million so drunken I, three people. Three days. Yeah, three days. You guys got to see that wall. It's fucking unbelievable. It's beautiful. You do a lot of uh, uh, cartoon, uh, comic strip type characters. It's got Popeye in it. I love it. It's got a lot of colors, more than eight. Uh, Toomey <laughs> to, to would never have been able to replicate that shit. Um, so we're going to wrap this up real soon, but I wanted to ask you about two major exhibits. One of them is Art in the Streets that happened in Los Angeles, curated by Jeffrey Deutsch. Right. And uh, how was that for you? Um, and were you happy about it? Just generally you know what were your feelings about that I saw it I loved it um, the exhibition well the exhibition that you saw was very different from what they originally planned mm -hmm. they wanted to um, um, do 30 artists and with different artists representing different parts of the world both east coast and west coast or just the world the world mm -hmm. so you know they had Osjamios from Brazil they were just having me Lee and Futura represent the United States um, um, and on and on and on and on and as, as time went on uh, it changed it changed incredibly um, then they started deciding about doing installations and doing this and doing that. Like, you know, it was just, it was just, it was a little nuts. Um, um, it, you know, it, 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 the, the, again, you know, I think the catalog was, was better than the exhibition. I mean, just the, the way, I mean, for example, they left out Fashion Motor, which was, which I don't know how. They only included them in the timeline. Right, right. And meanwhile, Fashion Motor was a major, uh, yeah. integral part of yeah. the evolution of. Uh, I mean, more than Patty Astor, you know, and Fun Gallery. Right. Not, not dissing Patty because I love it to death, but Fashion Motor was there before them. So, so you know, that that was insane. Um, then, um, you know, all all the. Uh, all the problems with all the guys doing installations, you know, all the, 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 the problems that came up with that was kind of weird. Because um, there were quite a few installations there. But I think a lot of those were from the West Coast, right? Yeah. Artists from the West Coast? Well, I mean, even the guy that did the Blade piece, he's yeah, from the West Coast. Oh, the Blade, yeah. Um, I didn't go to the opening because um, it bothered me that there were a lot of people who should have been in the show and they weren't in the show. Mm -hmm. um, so some, you kind of boycotted in a sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, boycotting, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah you could say that. Um, it's just, you know, there were a lot of people that shouldn't have been in the show. Right. So, you know. I kind of, I, when I saw the show, I, I, my, my take on it was I kind of like the historical content. I wasn't aware about the fashion motor, yeah. but it makes sense. Totally, now now it makes totally sense that we're talking about it. I, I thought there were some people in there that really didn't contribute that much to Correct. the evolution of graffiti. And they, not only were they there, but they put a lot of emphasis mm -hmm. or, or, or they gave them a lot a lot of props so I was like uh, I don't know why he's here and like somebody else is in here who should have been there that wasn't there Days Days had a little small painting in there that was an afterthought that was an afterthought then he wasn't asked yeah Doves I, I was wondering why Days only had a small little painting there Doves Doves Green um these are all East Coast artists, and Days, Chris Days Ellis is your, um, your uh, partner. You guys, you, you've been sharing studio space with Days from the get-go, huh? He's my baby mama. 
<laughs> yeah, we, we've been we've been sharing students since about eight three. Yeah, right. And I'm I'm definitely going to interview Days uh, uh, in depth uh, another time because I can't interview him in ten minutes. He's another he's <laughs> yeah. another crazy fuck, but uh, a totally prolific and amazing artist as well. So so those green days and who else? Wow. Um, those are the first two that come to mind. Um, All right, I don't have to put you on the spot. Yeah, That's cool, yeah. too, guys. And then the other thing that kind of pissed me off was the Whitney Museum of, of Contemporary Art here in New York City did uh, an, a similar exhibit, but it wasn't about street art. It was a century of art, if I remember correctly, was the title wow, of it. Wow, yeah, right. And, 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 and not one of you guys were included you know, in that. that. Actually, that was the Museum of Art and Art. And, they, and the only way... No, 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 I'm talking about... Whitney, uh, no, I'm talking about Whitney. No, the Whitney. That's yeah. the one that they had Henry's photos. That's the only they way had, they had Keith Haring and they had Henry Chalfant, yeah. Right. And then they, what they, to appease us, they decided to do a, a, a thing downstairs. A, um, a, um, I didn't even see that. Yeah, it was a, um, uh, a lecture. A lecture? Yeah, a talk. Oh, a lecture. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And a whole bunch of us were there talking. That's, that's, yeah. that's what they decided to do. Yeah, I thought maybe they would incorporate graffiti with Marcel yeah. Duchamp and have you guys paint the urinal. Because I, I might, I might, I might seventeen. That was how he signed the urinals. But for me, for me, I was like, whoa, 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 a century of art. Well, then how come not even one of these fucking guys nope. that have contributed? Nope. I mean, when you talk about art and you're talking about the art movement in general, I mean, you cannot, you cannot, uh, uh, you know, omit uh, the well, street art, no, the graffiti movement well, of this. The the political issue, you know, is what came about because remember. Um, the Whitney, um, Guggenheim, they all get money from, mm -hmm. from, no, mm -hmm. from, from the government mm -hmm. to, to, to help. They get grants and yeah. subsidies. And, and we're talking about an art form that was... Criminal. Yeah. It originated in yes. criminal activity. Yes. Which is how we started the interview. Correct. Yeah. So, so I, was, I was a little pissed off. At the, on the other end of the spectrum, I'm not a big fan of the Whitney Museum. I think it's a little too stuffy. I mean, museums well, in general you know, are. Whitney, yeah. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I've been to it. The only good thing to come out of the Whitney for me in terms of that's uh, the, only, the best exhibit I've ever seen there. There were two, Carol Walker and mm. Keith Haring, the Keith Haring retrospective. The was nice, too. The, I, I didn't see the Basquiat yeah. there. I saw the Basquiat in L.A. And I did see the Keith Haring there, and I was fucking blown away. And. And I, do, I did see the Keith Haring retrospective in San Francisco. I thought the New York one was way better. Yeah, you know it was. It was all yeah. Carol Walker is amazing too. But um, Carol Walker is fucking the, out of the control. The Basquiat show was hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why well, the Basquiat show in, in, in L.A. was unbelievable. Yeah. I was never a fan of uh, of Jean Michel Basquiat uh, until I saw that. Yeah. I, I, I got and it. See, and then you can, right. I got it. Yeah, because if you just see two or three, it doesn't make sense. But when you see it, and it becomes like a diary. Right. You can read it, and you can see everything he's went through. Right. You get him. Yeah. Then you're like, whoa. Right. You're blown away. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's it. I think I've uh, I think I've uh, uh, kept you in one place for a long time. <laughs> so I want to I want to thank you so much for giving us giving me the opportunity on Nestorius Public Radio uh, to get uh, a little in depth on in you and your work and your life. I appreciate it. Go see that uh, wall on uh, Houston Street. Google Crash John Crash Matos. Uh, Google Fashion Moda, and we out.